Right, right. So, you know, it's funny. Um, you mentioned, like, uh, uh, buying the slaves at the auction block. Uh, I never did that. I always killed the guys who were selling them. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I never once, like, bought them their freedom. I, 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 It was always bloody for me. And again, you know, that's probably my own personal background <laughs> of cropping up into that. But, yeah, it was always, like machete and shot and, and, and blunderbuss for me it was never uh cash money been fascinating to watch what Ubisoft has allowed some of its teams to do with its downloadable content. Uh, Blood Dragon was a pretty big departure from Far Cry 3, especially tonally, and uh, the same could be said for Assassin's Creed 4 Freedom Cry, which is a uh, add-on that now is a standalone on the PC and PS3 and PS4, not Xbox for some reason, uh, in which you uh, follow Adewale, who is one of the side characters uh, to Edward Kenway in the main Black Flag storyline, but now gets a chance to uh, have his own story uh, that involves really at the center of it, slavery. Um, The game doesn't shy away from engaging with the subject. In fact, it uses it as uh, sort of its tonal piece uh, for everything uh, that happens in Freedom Cry. And to see that happen in a big AAA game is pretty amazing, uh, although it comes with some caveats and some problems. Um, uh, A review of Freedom Cry is up on the site now, uh, but I also wanted to talk with uh, Kotaku writer uh, Evan Narcisse, who uh, wrote a spectacular essay uh, about his own experiences uh, with Freedom Cry. Evan has written about uh, how video games have interacted with the idea of slavery in the past, uh, and so he seemed like a perfect person to jump on Skype with to talk about some of the larger moral and ethical implications brought up uh, in Freedom Cry, and especially how uh, its in-game systems uh, speak as commentary on the concept of slavery and the in-game actions, and there's a lot to digest. Um, Evan's parents were born in Haiti, uh, which is part of where Freedom Cry takes place, and there's quite a lot of ground we cover, and I'm just going to throw it over to us right now. I should also let people know that there are massive spoilers for Freedom Cry in this conversation. We didn't stop ourselves from talking about anything that happens in the DLC. Uh, And uh, if you notice that Evan's microphone sounds a little crackly uh, early in the conversation, that clears itself up a little way in. Thanks. You know, so I I just finished playing Freedom Cry two or three nights ago. Uh And actually, you know, got set up perfect in, you know, not realizing uh, that Ubisoft was releasing it as a standalone thing. (laughs) So that that works out really well coverage-wise, because I finished writing a review and having this conversation with you, and they're releasing it as a standalone, uh, except on on Xbox. But, you know, playing it was, I thought, it's really interesting, because I think uh, there are all all sorts of problems that are both inherent to the Assassin's Creed franchise uh, that don't get solved in in Freedom Cry. I think there are some interesting ethical uh, conversations in regards to how they use the concept of, yeah. of slavery uh, yeah. in, in mechanical terms, um, but sort of you know big picture, uh, Ubisoft, uh, a big AAA publisher, using one of their premier franchises to have uh, what I think is largely a really serious take on uh, slavery in a series that is otherwise very fantastic. Yeah, yeah, is both commendable and I think they hit more than they miss. 
Yeah, I, I agreed. You know, obviously I'm coming from a different standpoint where, like, you know, I'm constantly banging the drum for these ideas of, 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 of more diverse representation um, for in, in video games, the people who make them, the people who are portrayed in them. So this, obviously, was was already on my radar um, from, from the minute they were talking about this, Adewale being a focus for DLC. Like, even beyond knowing anything, what I, what I later came to find out, I was already, you know, already paying attention. But then, you know, it's, you know, it takes place on the island where my ancestors come from, right? Where my mom and dad grew up. They were born and grew up. Um, and, and where I visited a bunch of times. You know, it's a place that is symbolic when, it, when, when conversations about colonialism and slavery happened because Haiti was the first uh, a, a slave colony that liberated itself from um, European rule. Um, and that's always been a big point of pride for, for people who are from there, you know, it's sometimes you have to say, you can say it's the only point of pride um, because of the misfortunes that the island has seen like decade after decade, century after century. So, yeah, um, I was already uh, very interested in, in how they're going to execute. And I, and I agree with you. I largely feel like the execution is, is uh, pretty effective. It doesn't feel like they're minimizing um, what happened. It feels like sometimes they're being a little bit too serious, which is tough. That is a very, very um, hard line to figure out in terms of, okay, how serious should we be um, when we're dealing with was clearly like a human tragedy of epic proportions. Um, you know, entire cultures uh, 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 rent asunder, you know, uh, families that were torn apart, literally like in front of their eyes, the, the, the kids get sold to one person and, and the, the, the mother and father stay on one plantation. That's the kind of stuff that happened during slavery with extremely, extremely regular basis. Um, so it's weird. The main game, um, Assassin's Creed 4, uh, Edward Kenway is kind of a rogue, a ne'er-do-well. He hangs with other people who get drunk, screw around, basically are, are, are messing with the system that they lived under in a very kind of devil-may-care kind of way. Um, none of that is in Freedom Cry, right? Um, it's all very serious and, and, and heavy, and, and like there's this existential weight to the, all the actions going on um, that isn't there um, in the main Assassin's Creed game. And that's largely good, you know? But at the same time, uh, uh, there's a whole range of the emotional palette that doesn't get explored in, in Freedom Cry, right? Like, the first question that one of my coworkers asked me about uh, Freedom Cry when I started playing it, he's like, are there any, sh- any new sh- sea shanties? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's a valid question. It's the kind of thing you expect yeah. uh, when you're getting DLC, right? You're like, oh, it doesn't cost nothing to throw an extra couple of songs on there. But the sea shanties don't work. They wouldn't have worked. You know, all of a sudden, you're going to liberate a slave ship and you, you break out into like a, a body kind of <laughs> limerick. It doesn't work. Um, and granted, there is new music in Freedom Cry and it's great and it's emotional and all that. But it, it's the kind of the, that 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 paradox, you know, is the kind of thing that people who are going to continue to try and portray, you know, these hot button issues about history and race in video games or any kind of entertainment, they're going to keep on hitting on them, you know? Like, 
um, Quinn Tarantino and, and, and Django Unchained, you know, like he obviously went for more of a, like a grindhouse B movie feel, um, where, uh, a lot of that heavy stuff, um, was like morphed into almost something campy, right? Uh, this, this doesn't do that. And, and that's something, sometimes a complaint I have about, um, you know, cultural productions that have to do with race and slavery. It's like, it's also heavy. It's also serious. Like, you know, even if you're living under a, a system that delegitimizes your existence on a daily basis, it's not always like that, you know, like not to get too heavy here, but like I've been depressed over the Michael Dunn verdict ever since it came down, like over the weekend, mm-hmm. it's the guy who shot Jordan Davis in Florida, you know, like I stop and think, I'm like, Man, writing about video games feels really trivial right now. Um, but at the same time, I can, my whole life isn't going to be being depressed and frustrated about uh, 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 the, the the actions of other people as as they are uh, relate to me and my race. You know, I I I can't. It's just too big a weight to carry every day. Yeah, and there's I, there's, there's a balance there that I think is maybe you know possibly reflected in the the seriousness at which you know the designers took knowing what they were taking on with with freedom cry in the sense that hey if we're going to do this we're going to do it right we're going to treat it uh treat with subtlety and 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 nuance and we're going to be serious about it and that there was so probably so much risk involved in breaking that tension yeah that the payoff of like getting a comedic moment which there are a couple of moments like uh the relationship that Adewale has with I'm blanking on her name, but she sort of like yeah. runs the the underground uh, kind of. She runs the cat house, but she's also a member of the uh, the resistance. Yeah, and those are the few kind of moments where they try and uh, break the mood, and it's and it's great that that doesn't even turn into a romantic thing. That is yeah. like I was yeah. looking at that a million miles away, going, "Oh no, don't do it! Like, don't do it! Right. Don't do it!" Right. And they don't do that, and. Uh, and there was, but, but yet there was some tenderness too. You know, that was they 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 started almost adversarial. You know, and then as, as they got to know each other better, there was a, a, you, you got the sense of a bond there. Yeah, and and it seemed like you know if they're gonna err on the side of being too serious, that seems like the better path to tread. When you know this really, as far as I can tell, you know, and, and you're probably more familiar with the subject matter and how it's been handled than I am. Um, the first time I've really seen it address this fully in, in, in a game of this scope. You know, yeah, obviously I'm yeah. sure there have been independent productions, smaller games. I think I've seen you cover a couple of those on Kotaku before. Yeah, yeah. But but nothing on this scale in which, you know, the cynical attitude, which I think is cynical for the for, for right reasons, is that these games just aren't really designed to have that sort of subtlety. Um and yeah. and they parse are able to achieve it because it's DLC, because it's limited scope, yep. and they sort of tell this limited story. So there's less room for error, and I feel like they constrain themselves in very smart ways, at least from a storytelling point of view, to tell this very limited scope thing. You know, you don't you don't solve slavery by the end of it, and right. uh, you don't even necessarily get the sense that you've set you know this island on on a path, path to revolution. To revolution, yeah. you've just been a blip on the radar you know i mean you know the, the characters constantly comment on some of uh Adewale's, you know sort of reckless attitude that he's earned as a right of being uh free himself in thinking yeah. that if he just comes in and you know takes out the the guy who's leading uh, who's the current tyrant on on the island that it's all going to be solved and you know their attitude is rightly cynical that no you know they'll just be one that takes 
his place. And right. it's 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 a really interesting way to handle, you know, what does the player accomplish so they feel like they've been part of a story without the traditional hero's journey of the player feeling like they've solved everything at the end. Right, right. Um, and, and and that was a really smart move for them. There's there a couple of things that stuck, stuck out to me since we're talking about the characters and, and the kind of setting. Uh, some of the commenters on Kotaku mentioned this and something that struck out to me. You know, how rare is it that you get a black man and a black woman sitting down and talking to each other in a video game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's super rare. Um and the, one of the more powerful moments uh, in the game was not at the end, even though we'll talk about that, was um, there's one stealth mission where Adewale has to put uh, um, the rags of a slave on to sneak into a plantation. And he's so incensed that he has to do this. And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, you've, you've earned your freedom um, through whatever means. And, and you, you, this is exactly the kind of life that you... Um, ran away from that you liberated yourself from um i thought that was a really nice beat to have that happen like symbolically like okay uh of course this character would feel you know incredibly upset about having to do this no matter how noble the purpose um but you know it's funny you were talking about the mechanics before and um there was definitely some some instances where the typical mechanical structure of an Assassin's Creed game, as they exist now, um, helped and hurt the overall kind of thematics of the game, right? Like, one of them was you had to liberate a certain amount of slaves to earn certain weapons. But the slaves in the metagame were still a kind of currency, right? So you had to liberate 500 slaves to get this machete. It's like, wow. It's it's a cruelly ironic twist on the the subject matter that it's decided to invoke that feels... You know, mostly just tone deaf as opposed yeah. to, yeah. you know, intentionally, uh, you know, a commentary. Right, right. And and the other thing was, um, you know, uh, when you have to uh, catch the runaway slaves, rather stop the slave hunters from, from killing the runaway slaves. Like the first time I did that, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe, you know. This is something I get to do. Um, it's it's a kind of like, you know, a fantasy you have um, uh, if, if you're growing up and playing video games. Um, if you're somebody like me anyway, it's like, you know, uh, games let us do all these kind of fantastical things. Uh, you go into outer space, go into these fantasy realms, um, save the world, et cetera, et cetera. But like liberating, stopping an individual who all he wants is free, right, stopping the person who's trying to kill somebody who all they want is freedom, that, that was really powerful to me. The first time I did it, second time I did it. But like by the 10th or 12th time, it's like, um, sorry, dude, you're on your own, you know? And that's strictly um, a result of how uh, the game engine populates uh, missions within the world, right? You know, like you, you can't go like two or three blocks without another one of those popping up. And it, it you know, it kind of supports how... Um, ubiquitous this system um um was at the time you know there are probably dozens of of of, of failed runaway attempts on in any given hour right um but at the same time it's like from a gameplay perspective it's like it it the message you drive home kind of gets diluted uh, and that happens with all the stuff that kind of happened that emerged out in the open world right the auctions the slave hunters it's like okay um putting this stuff in the game is really powerful 
at first blush, it, it, it does what it's supposed to do, but the repetition kind of just um, um, makes it fade in, in, in terms of its impactfulness, at least for me. What did you think? Yeah, no, I, I was the same way. Like, the, the first time that you realize, like, because oftentimes the, the game gives you, you know, sometimes various ways to handle the different situations where you can, you can free the slaves, and obviously you have the opportunity to, you know, kill someone or just knock them out and, and things like that. But, for, you know, at the sort of the auction house, when you have the opportunity to, you could just kill everyone and then free them, or, you know, you can pay money uh, to free the, the slaves that uh, are being sold. And the first time you do that and you kind of hear some of the idle commentary from uh, the people that are, are, are selling these folks where they kind of like get a little upset that you're buying them and then just setting them free, like is, is really amazing. And it's this powerful use of the currency that you have earned in the game already to, to do this really amazing thing that plays into the general narrative of the character and the, the overall structure of Freedom Cry. But then you walk around the corner and then you come back and there's, there's this, new people on that same auction block. Yeah, it might be new character models. I don't know, but it you know it, it generally feels like the same thing. They haven't changed the structure of what you're doing, and it's immediately when it uh, loses its emotional impact and then just becomes um, part of the uh, in-game system in which you are accruing uh, increased numbers to go up an upgrade path and. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's so easy to see how they would arrive there, and uh, you know, it's it, if they weren't handling a lot of other things in the game in, uh, really well in terms of when they invoke those emotional moments, um, I think I would be more upset at that system. I think it's a a crude system. I think it it like I said comes comes across as mostly tone deaf uh, than it does you know intentionally insulting, but it does. It does stick out like a sore thumb as one of those. Like once it, you kind of realize what's happening, you kind of slap your head and you're like, "Oh God, this this thing is so close!" And then it has this, um, yeah. Yeah. and and you just engage with it so much. And and I felt that it was uh, it, it was odd that they make you that you know, for lack of a better term, they spawn the the slaves and these encounters over and over again uh, yeah. on the sort of uh, town square that you spend a lot of your time in. Because if you just follow the main objectives, you know, rescuing like the slave ship so they can teach you how that sort of system works, uh, which is kind of the new thing they add to the, to the high seas, right. you mostly will, you know, accrue enough people to go up the upgrade path. So it seems yeah. like there were ways for them to Maybe, you know, I think the system is sort of flawed from the beginning. I just think they sort of dig a deeper hole for themselves at, with the repetition at which you end up engaging with it. Right, right. So, you know, it's funny. Um, you mentioned, like, uh, uh, buying the slaves at the auction block. Uh, I never did that. I always killed the guys who were selling them. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I never once, like bought them their freedom I, I i it was always bloody for me and again you know there's probably my own personal background <laughs> of cropping up into that but yeah it was always like machete and shot and, and, and blunderbuss for me it was never uh cash money um well i think also know, the game the, the game does i think more so than uh any other assassin's creed game uh sort of give you a feeling of emotional and narrative justification for sort of like idly killing people. Like, you know, I mean, as Assassin's Creed, you're killing random folks often by accident just because yeah. you've triggered, you know, an assassination from behind on sure. the wrong highlighted character. Um, 
So it happens all the time, and you're constantly killing people in the streets that you know people should be paying attention to, and they don't just because of the way it would break the game world too much. But at least in Freedom Cry, man, do you feel justified every single yeah. time you choose yeah. to engage with that? Yeah, very much so. Um, it's it's one of the weird things about about Freedom Cry for me was how. Um, I mean, I know they did a lot of research, but there were certain things that echoed historically in, in a very um, eerie way. And, and again, I'll leave the question of intent up for uh, other people, but I, I remember hearing from my, my parents, my mom mostly, that um, well, my mom and my dad, my dad studied agriculture, um, and he actually went abroad to the Netherlands to do it. But I remember after my first trip to Haiti when I was like a teenager, um, or no, what have my second trip? And um, he was talking to us about it, and um, he said one of the things, that, uh, one of the reasons that Haiti was never able to get um, a strong agricultural kind of um, base going was lack of resources and all this other stuff. But there had been massive deforestation campaigns throughout the island's history because you know, um, during their various revolutions and the the coup d'etats and the, and the shifts in power and regime, um, the dissidents, the people who were rebelling, would meet in the woods, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a vast wooded island, very mountainous, and, you know, the, the people in power would cut down trees um, and not replant them um, so they could flush out uh, these people and, not, and, and, and deny them a meeting place. So there's that one first moment where the first guy who sells you weapons um there's like it's like a little secluded kind of like um nook i'm probably using the wrong word it's just like a little area off off the path and you have to kind of climb through a tree to get it and that really hit home for me i was like oh man this this is probably unintentional but this sounds like exactly what used to happen um 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 in these various various uh, time periods in, in in haiti's history so that was really really um, um, a, a thing for me that that really resonated for me, um, and the, something else that was like that was the plantation raids, where you know it, during that time period, you know, like there would be revolts. You know, it, it wasn't just a bunch of docile, you know, enslaved um, African people who were like going along with what they were told. I mean, I think we know that already, but. Um, when when I did that first plantation raid and even the, some of the subsequent ones, it for me it was like I had to hundred percent them. You know, like the minute I started killing killing slaves, I was like, nope, sorry, I, I I can't let my fuck up be the reason these innocent characters are, are are getting killed. Like right in front of me sometimes, and I was like, I'm you know I'm just gonna start over until I get it right. Um, uh, it was. You know, and again, that's a typical mechanical thing, right? You have the risk reward system where, you know, sure you could you could do it the other way, um, but what you get out of the mission is lessened. And if it was another game with a different kind of narrative structure and different stakes, I would have been like, yeah, screw it, I don't care. Uh, maybe uh, I'm happy with getting like seventy percent, eighty percent of what I'm supposed to get as a reward, but this time I wasn't. And I think that, again, that was that was. Uh, that was a moment where the systems um, that that make the game and what they're trying to achieve narratively they 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 fuse together pretty well. 
Yeah, I, I, I had a similar experience. I didn't actually start the section over, but there's, you know, the, the plantations can be, uh, th- your strategy differs in the daytime and the nighttime, which, yeah. A, I thought was an interesting dynamic that I don't remember seeing in the game uh, typically, because usually when you're doing missions, uh, you often are, you know, the game will just spawn you in day or night, depending on whatever they've set it up for. Uh, that the the narrative desires, but the plantations, you know, you, your objectives and how you go about them are different at day and night. And the daytime, uh, you know, you have to take out. I think it's like twenty enemies, and then the rest of them surrender. And if you screw yeah. up any of these assassinations, uh, then they begin to uh, ring these bells. And then yeah. literally just going around the plantation and and cutting down the slaves as as a way of preventing revolt and preventing uh, uh, people from getting away. And I thought I'm absolutely with you that was one of the most horrifying moments i had the first time that occurred in the game because often when you screw up an assassin's creed the combat has been uh, made in such a way that you can get yourself out of any situation because you can always counter and there are invincibility frames when you counter and so it's the combat is, is often pretty trivial and although that's true when you've triggered uh, this moment on the plantation watching those numbers dwindle uh, it's, and it's it happens. Yeah. It happens really fast, and it's it's a it's a moment where I saw potential in the system they had employed, and started to look at it as more of a flawed system than it was, uh, you know, sort of ethically compromised from the beginning. I started to see maybe what they were going for, and and again, I you know, I'm with you, and then it's hard to uh, figure out intent on this stuff, yeah. uh, but. Yeah, what, like being in the middle of this fight, trying to take out these guys, blocking and doing these counters, all this stuff that normally I can take my time doing and just take out a whole crowd of folks. But in the middle of me doing that, watching it jump from like 40, 36, yeah. 30, 27, like it's, it was unbelievable. At the end, I think I only ended up saving like eight and Ugh. I felt awful. Yeah. Awful. And, you know, it was also one of those things, and I noted this in the review I wrote, was that, you know, every time you free one of those, uh, plantation and sort of out the the owners and and run them off the land. Yeah. Uh, eventually, the game cycles in someone new. You never yeah. permanently uh, yeah. free those locations. And you know, again, don't know intent, but in some ways that felt like uh, a pretty meaningful, if unintentional, commentary on sort of the state of uh, not only that the player was not going to solve this problem, but also just the state of what you know the, the realities of slavery at the time that the game is set. In that, you know. Whatever steps forward you take, they're just you know it's more more than likely it's just going to come back to the status quo. Um, and yeah, of, of of you know the, the the hegemony that was in place at the time. You know, like that's that's just the way it was. Yeah, and and so I you know it seemed like those were moments where the game systems were complementing the narrative in a way that uh, uplifted uh, or made more meaningful the actions of the player, and it. You know, that's just not stuff that you, you know, get out of, you know, any other medium. Like, it's where you have these interacting game systems that, you know, when done right, uh, add emotional weight to the player. Um, it's just, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it, like you said, it's a moment where when the numbers are ticking down, it adds emotional weight. But then when those numbers are ticking up, uh, when you're engaging with a different system, it feels crass. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's that that's, you know, clearly a very hard thing to figure out. I'm not, I'm not, you know, as much as I criticize what they, uh, tried, you know, answers for that seem very difficult. And it's also why most games just don't touch these subjects. Don't touch it at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, the interesting thing to me is that 
Um, you know, there's a lot wrong with Assassin's Creed, um, you know, as a business endeavor. You know, like Ubisoft is coming for criticism uh, with regard to annualizing the, the, the series and, um, and, and how much it does or doesn't change from entry to entry has been a sore spot. But, you know, like, you can argue that a good side effect of this strategy is that it lets them put out Liberation for the Vita and then port it to consoles. It lets them put out this as DLC, you know? It gives them, you know, a, a bigger canvas to experiment. I'm sure there's still risk involved, you know? Um, getting this idea greenlit and getting Liberation greenlit was probably pretty hard, you know? Um, and, but at the same time, I think the fact that you know there's going to be not just the game, but some DLC, and 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 all these kind of different branches of of the franchise going in different directions, give them, affords them the opportunity to do that. You know, I, you know, it's because that they're so big and they've got so many, you know, boxes to check off um, that that let this one get through. Uh, you know, that's again, I'm not saying they're the greatest company in the world because of that, but uh, it is this weird unintended kind of benefit of, of the way they're, they're trying to milk this cash cow. Um, so yeah, it, it's funny cause liberation, we were talking about tone before that felt a little bit more, uh, had a lighter touch, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't like super serious, but there was, uh, the, the nature of, the, of that character was less, um, heavy hearted, than, than Adewale and, and the people he meets in his game. Um, so there is like a little bit of tonal variation here. Not a ton, but a little bit. You know, I want to talk a little bit about um, another moment uh, that was this weird sync of gameplay and, and thematics for me um, where they, they aligned kind of nicely was one of the later missions, um, they need to find um, slaves who can read. And I think it's four of them you got to find, and you got to get them to this one ship, um, so that they can, you know, subvert the goals of the of the, the governor of the island, um, or they can help Adewale do that. And they're a precious fucking resource, you know, um, because slaves weren't allowed to read back then. They weren't learn, You weren't allowed to educate a slave to learn how to read and write. It was expressly forbidden. Um, and in and, and French owned territories and other other places as well. So um, there was just enough of of uh, of uh, feeling that these were um, abnormal kind of uh, beings, right? Like a, a, a black person who has managed to defy, this entire system that's 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 meant to dehumanize him, and learn how to read, and 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 use his or her brain, um, was a rare, rare, rare thing, and I like that 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 the game used used those characters as uh, you know goals for you to t- to kind of work towards. Um, you know, in other games, it would have been find this piece of the crank. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> right, you know, to to make this part of the machine work, um, and in in this, it was human beings who, you know, managed to defy uh, 
uh, the oppression they were living under, and I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, and it, it is, I think, some of the most impressive moments of uh, Freedom Cry are where it does take, you know, moments of Assassin's Creed and then contextualize them in a way because of the setting of Freedom Cry to really enhance it in a way that you wouldn't really have thought of. Like the 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 mission that I think, you know, has the most impact and, and most people that I have played it, you know, talk about the most is when you go, when, when Atawale sort of defies sort of the, the rebellion leadership in going after this slave ship um, yeah. because he is motivated, rightly so, you know, by, by revenge. But, you know, the, the game... Uh, constantly sets up these characters with uh, with Adewale and saying that like you know some of the reckless attitude of Adewale he he kind of gets a little ahead of himself in terms of where he wants progress to be and how yeah. you get towards that progress and he uh, he goes after the slave ship after being warned that uh, the governor has threatened retaliation and you don't really know what that means it's kind of left hanging because Adewale just leaves the room and he's like I'm gonna go get those guys and you're like yeah hell yeah we're gonna go get those guys and you kind of go on you know your typical uh, rating of uh, uh, the ships that surround a slave ship, and then you go and you would then uh, rescue the folks on board. But in this case, as you're about to do that, uh, they turn their cannons on the slave ship. And by the time that you get there, no matter how fast you do the mission, it's not, you know, it's a story beat. It's not related to uh, how fast you, you are able to, to get there. Um, this sh- the ship is sinking. And you, there's a moment where you can try and rescue as many folks as you can that are, are chained up uh, by the cannon. Some are dead. Um, and then there's a moment after that, once the, the ship has started to sink, where uh, you begin to climb a wall. And yeah, you, 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 get, you crash below decks, and you're in amongst the cargo. Yeah, and, and climbing walls is something that is... You do all the time in Assassin's Creed. It's it's just and know. other games. You know, yeah. When I first started that 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 sequence, I was like, oh, this is their Uncharted two train hanging off the precipice moment. You know, um, which look not to take any way any way anything away from that or sequences like that when they work, they're great. But it, it felt like they were going for that big set piece with with the traversal mechanic baked into it, um, a, a known quantity, right? Yeah. And, and, you, and you've done it a million times, Assassin's Creed, and so you kind of just think like, oh, this is where the ship is sinking, and I'm going to escape. And and instead, I mean, it is that, but as you do so, I mean, they surround yourselves with all the people that, you know... You can't save. You people can't are dying save. Like, they're, they're chained up, and they are screaming, and the entire time you're trying to do this thing that you've done probably a million times in this DLC, a billion times in this game, and a trillion times in video games in general. And yet, the emotional impact is is harrowing and, and heartbreaking, and yeah. it's just, it's really unlike anything I've experienced in a game. Uh, yeah. The emotional it's, weight of such a basic mechanic transformed by the context. The water's rushing in all around you. You can't stop that. You can't individually, you know, break all their chains and get them, you know, uh, above the surface of the water. You, 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 you know, you're just not powerful enough. You know, you're just not powerful enough to save each and every one of these people the way you would want to. You know, it was it was really really good. I, you know, it's it's, you know, I, I studied Black history, high school, college, on my own, whatever, and. <sighs> 
and, and, and once you do, you kind of have these classic images of what a slave ship looked like, right? There's like the old kind of like woodblock printing and just the little black hash marks like stacked on top of one each other. And it's so abstracted that you don't, you can't realize, you, you don't think about it in terms of human bodies, human lives. You think about it in terms of a drawing, like maybe an architectural blueprint. You don't, you don't, it, the humanity like gets bled out of that because like I said, it's just so abstracted, but that's what the, what this game does is like it, it, um, it, it takes away that abstraction. It kind of makes it, it adds more dimension to what that might have been, you know, like to uh, a very kind of, um, static portrayal of history becomes a lot more, um, energetic, you know, because you're able to see these things and their consequences happening around you, you know? Um, so yeah, it was super, super chilling. And it was like, Oh, here's, here's what that space was. It's, you know, the space they laid down in was, you know, like barely bigger than, uh, you know, a, a sofa, you know, like that, even that sounds too luxurious. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, a pen it's it's anyway um that was really really good um and 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 the kind of thing that they could have screwed up so horribly by like you said um giving it a quote-unquote happy ending you know having it be a hundred percent success well and Um, there's even a uh if you when you get down there in your first you do have a chance to rescue some folks and it's one of the few, I think it's the only time in the DLC that it engages in this different gameplay system of sort of like quick time events where you're trying to hit certain buttons in order to uh, use uh, the weapon. I think he's got like a, some sort of, not a crowbar, but something equivalent that he's using yeah. to break the, the chains. And you can screw those up and then you can kind of go around one of the decks uh, below and, and rescue some folks. And if you are able to get enough of them, there's sort of like a one of the optional objectives is you know like you know you rescued 15 but it's a moment where and again you know it's it's one of those things that you you wonder is how much is intentional and how much is just a result of the way the systems are in place contrasted against the context that that it's in but when that pop up occurred which like normally you're supposed to be like feel like you've done a good thing that like you've rescued 15 people but in front of you as that thing pops up is like you know 30 dead that you know are you're partially responsible for as a result of you know going after this this ship and it was just it was a really weird moment to see that pop up um because you're normally excited about that but it's it's in the middle of like this wasteland of death that like i'm not excited about that all if anything that just sort of drives home how horrible I feel about the overall situation. Right, right. And, you know, like, that. I think that's the second-to-last mission in the game. And, you know, when you end the game, um, for me, anyway, I was like, well, I kind of like Adewale much more as a character than I do um, Edward Kenway. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, for every bit of desire I have for him to kind of headline a full game, part of me has to wonder, like, well, what the hell would that be like, you know? Um, if, if it's all of this, you know, 
I don't even know if I could sit through all of it as badly as I want it, you know? Like, if it's just a bunch of, like, depressing, dehumanizing scenarios one after another, where ultimately, you know, uh, unless the character lives to be, like, 500 years old, <laughs> it's, 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 it's still going to be stuck in the system um, uh, uh, of slavery and disenfranchisement and, 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 and oppression that, that, you know, carried on for hundreds of years. Um, so that's one of the, the problems I have with like conversations about like how to diversify characters and time periods and subject matter and stuff. It's like, um, there is a tyranny of entertainment, right. Of like the value of need to be, needing to be entertaining um there's a game developer pablo Pedrocini who runs mola industria and he's right he does very political games um and he's talked before about the tyranny of entertainment and how you know the way games are framed um, as needing to be these entertainment products that have mass appeal um limits their ability to uh send messages that are political and and um and thought-provoking provoking in nature um he made a game about wikileaks about two three years ago and it was a simple like browser game um that, that was like kind of a, a a map management thing but um every time you would close a leak in one place another one would open um and, and the game was kind of a metaphor for how um you know even the most oppressive system of of, of surveillance and, and and counterintelligence can't keep stuff from from cropping up um everywhere um like i said very radical very political um and you know part of me wonders what a game like that um if it if it looked at you know the black experience throughout the century centuries um what it would look like you know um but then you run up against the wall of well is that marketable you know is it saleable is it something that you know will bring in the numbers to justify its existence. And um, I think that's why a lot of uh, game developers and, and, and marketing people and executives who may have the best of intentions, they see that as um, they see that as a barrier. I mean, my thing is, you know, you could just do it anyway. You know, um, you could, you could uh, figure out, well, we can take the hit here. If there's a hit to be taken, actually. Um, um, but also it, 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 this success, however, you know, compromised, um, you want to call it with regard to freedom cry. Like, I just hope it serves as like inspiration for people who don't have the same kind of strictures in place, the same kind of, um, uh, considerations of being a big mega corporation that's turning out triple a games you know i want the the indie kind of sibling to this i want the 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 the, the kind of game making that doesn't have to censor itself for capitalist uh, considerations to t tackle the same subject matter you know there was a game that i wrote about on kotaku called thralled and it's a little indie game very simple um but you're you're playing as a runaway slave who also happens to be a mother, and one of the mechanics is like the core mechanic is, in order to move like a cart out of the way so you can get up a hill, you've got to put your baby down, and um, 
this other kind of weird doppelganger um, comes in off the side of the screen to take your baby and super simple, but like incredibly effective. Um, And when that game gets done, you know, the the team, the creator aren't necessarily going to have to wonder about, Hey, how much is this going to sell? Like it's done. We made an artistic statement and we can, we can, just have that be its own thing unto itself. Um, that's what I want to see more of. It's it's going to be hard because, you know, the the collective will to want to t- tackle this subject matter or anything like this, you know, has to exist. Um, and and then you have to execute it. Both of thing, both of which are things that are very complicated. At the end of the day, um, you know. When I write about this kind of stuff, uh, uh, race and diversity and representation, I know that there's going to be a certain amount of heat that follows me, um, you know, in the comments, on Twitter, wherever. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, that's a bummer, you know, like, I, I can't always get it up for, to, to do that. You know, it, it's, um, it's a challenge to, to have um, my intent interpreted a certain way um, and to have my, you know, my, my passions, my, my, you know, my desire, which is really a lifelong thing to see just better representation in pop culture, um, twisted to like, uh, you know, to, to have people decide they, they think they know what's motivating me to do this. Um, um, but you know, the flip side of that is, um, something like freedom's cry, uh, freedom cry where, uh, it's it's just an add-on. You, you you can be cynical and call it a cash-in. Um, it can pull in new people. When I after I wrote about the game, um, a lot of my friends who aren't hardcore gamers who are not buying up two three games a month, they're like, hey, I want to play that. How can I play that? Do I need to buy the main game for that? Is that something I buy buy for itself? So that's why I think the standalone was a very smart move for Ubisoft because um, now they can have this this separate experience that appeals to people who may not necessarily be showing up for every Assassin's Creed game, but it could pull them into um, experiencing the franchise uh, where they would not have necessarily been moved to do so in the first place. Right. And, and I guess the, the last question I would ask you is, is something that you mentioned at the bottom of your a piece like Kotaku when you, when you originally wrote about um, Freedom Cry back in December, was that you, you, and, and you kind of touched on this and the idea that you know folks that maybe or only casually interested in gaming or not interested in gaming at all, being interested in how this subject matter is treated and, and, and playing something of an interactive nature uh, that touches on this subject. Um, you mentioned that you were maybe considering playing it with your, your parents or, or playing it with your, with your dad, and I was wondering yeah. if you'd had a chance to, uh, to go down that path, and, and if I not... I didn't, I didn't. Okay. Um, but I, I did talk about it with him, and, you know, like, he's an older guy, so, like... I just think he's, he's <laughs> probably not that curious, even though right. if I actually got sat him down with it, um, he might, he might exhibit some kind of curiosity. You know, part of it is Patrick, like so much of what we take for granted, like in playing a video game, the element of grind and just having to build up resources and stuff. I don't know if I could keep him here for like a whole freaking night or a day. Right. Like, watch it. Okay. Time for me to, uh, kill another few guys because I need to get some money or wait a few <laughs> more shifts. He'd be like, "Come on, can we get this moving?" I can picture him doing that. Right. But but the other part of it is, um, you know, 
the stuff that we can forgive, I, I just wonder if he would be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but my dad come his 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 father was somebody who worked in the in the arts um, in Haiti. He was a choreographer and he helped uh, manage the national theater um, there for a while. He traveled abroad, um, performing in dance competitions and stuff. Um, and my dad is a teacher. He's retired now, but. He said the one thing about Haiti that um, continually doesn't get messaged out to the to the rest of the world is that like the culture is incredibly vibrant and creative and and unique because um, the ethos of liberation and self determination um, um, is a recurring theme um, in in the music and the art that gets produced on the island. You know, like Haitians are stubborn. Um, and, uh, uh, something about, I think this game, even though Adewale is not a, a, a Haitian by himself, he's, he's from another Island. I think it's Trinidadian. Um, or maybe that's the, uh, the actor who portrays him is Trinidadian. I don't remember, but, um, I think that would appeal to him. You know, I think this idea of like, not necessarily willing to stand, um, to, 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 to stand, to live passively in a system where you know you're being told that all you're good for is, is is cheap labor and subhuman living conditions. I think that would um, uh, he would appreciate that. Um, so maybe one day I'll, I'll get around to doing that. Um, but I told him about it, and he was like, you know, it, it sounds like they got some of it right. Um, um, and, and you know, I know he would appreciate that. Awesome. Well, Evan, this has gone on far longer than I. I I'm sorry. I feel like I was just no. On. You got no, 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 no. I, I, no. The apology comes from me for, for, for keeping you much longer than, than I intended. But I, I, su- I, I really appreciate. It. I thought you know, your, your essay was great, and uh, it's, it, it's, it's not only good to see that there are games willing to tackle this, but you know, we need folks of diverse backgrounds to, uh, to, to inform us of that as well. So uh, I definitely appreciate you taking some time to, to chat with me about yeah, it. No, I, uh, you know, dude. Anytime. I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk and, and people who listen to this stuff on, on Giant Palm are hopefully going to be receptive. Mm-hmm.